This morning, I'd like you to turn to uh, Amos, and I'd like you to uh, take note of the character of God, the attributes of God, the nature of God. This is our theme, and I'll write it. This is a five-minute, seven-minute introduction. Uh, We have also a sister here from Turkey visiting us right down here. Years ago, we met in Istanbul. There she is. And uh, she's married to a pastor in Turkey, and Erhan was from their church. And many of us know Erhan because he came and studied here, and he's back in Istanbul, and we're so glad you're here. And yes, praise the Lord. Great. Uh, Attributes of God, the nature of God. Is God, I'll put down these two words, is God rigid and is he flexible? Is God rigid, and is he also flexible? Uh, I'll explain this to you for a few minutes here. And then we'll do the offering, uh, a couple of announcements, the offering, then the message. So this is introduction, offering, uh, offering, and then uh, the message, and then communion at the end of the service. Uh, so uh, this is not long, but important, and it could be long. This this message could go for hours. It could be long. It could be. It's not going to be, but all right. So is God the God of truth, and can he lie? You know, no, he cannot lie. Titus 1, verse 2. God is the God of truth. I like to think of mathematics and also history and things that have happened that you're telling the truth in physics and chemistry, biology, hard sciences, you got to tell the truth. Banking, you got to tell the truth. You run run a bank, you got to have the right numbers. You know, I I don't think so. My account, I have uh, $7,842 in my account. And I'm sorry to tell you, you don't have that much money in your bank account. What? What? I want this number. The banker says, I don't care what you want. Reality is this, right? In our culture, we, we have a lot of self-interest in what we believe and what we want reality to be. But when you say, I want reality this way, then, then it has to be tested. Here's a, here's a good point. This is a string with a weight on it. Is that, what do you think gravity is doing right here? Is pulling it down, is gravity lying? Is that line vertical? Okay. Law of gravity Right? Law of physics. Is it lying? So carpenters use lasers today, but this is the old-fashioned way of finding a straight line, vertical line. So they put it up to their work to see if the two-by-four is true and if it is true to the vertical line. Right? God uses this in Amos 7, uh, verse 7. The Lord showed me, thus he showed me, And behold, the Lord stood upon a wall 
made by a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. God had a plumb line in his hand, right? We, we have the verse there. What is that? That's, the, that's what this is. It's a plumb line. Is it plumb? The carpenter would say. Is it plumb? Well, it looks like it is. Yeah, well, I don't care about the way you look at it. I want to know objectively outside of you, is it plumb? This will not lie. That we have a problem with lying in principle in life. God cannot lie. And it's rigid. That's the way it is. It's called truth. God's reality, we would say. Reality of God. Now, a lot of people want God to be their way. So they have their God, their way, and they want to live that way. And people can, and they do all the time. Actually, they're reinterpreting reality. I'm a bowl of cornflakes. Back in the days when people were taking drugs, and they are today too. By the way, stay away from marijuana. Just stay away from marijuana. It's no good. It's poison. It produces cancer. It messes up your head. Stay away. Don't do it. Stay away from it. I don't care if it's legal in Maryland or on the moon. It doesn't matter to me. Like, don't do it. It's not good. Not good. You're going to interpret reality by a crazy mind and live in a world that's not real. And what you have found, what I have found, is Christ. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And the reality of our new life is to walk with him and to know him. This is our joy. So that'll be our message. God is true. Let's look at one more verse, Hebrews 7. Verse 2, Hebrews 7, 2, and you know how challenging it is to be able to speak to you folks, uh, some of you here, one, one, you know, once a week or twice or three times a week, but then to be reading your own Bible and to be growing in it and learning, it's really fun, it's a joy. And you got to keep at it, keep at it. Walk with God, walk with God, trust him. Keep at it. Now notice this verse, Psalm, I'm sorry, Hebrews 7, verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, uh, the context is he's talking about Melchizedek, who was the king that Abraham met on the way coming from a battle. Abraham coming and he meets this king. And there's, that's a separate message, who he was and so on. But the point I want you to see here, his name is King, King, he is King of Righteousness first. After that, he is king of peace. King, so it looks like he had two names, king of peace, king of righteousness. But it says, first, king of righteousness. 
And then it says, after that, also king of Salem, or Salam, or Salem. So you have two things there. King of righteousness up on the screen, and the king of peace. Which comes first? Righteousness. Where does your peace come from? Righteousness. This could be another name for righteousness. It's like, is it right? Is it true? Who is God? Right and true. Line up with him. Then what happens? King of peace. The peace follows the righteousness. You cannot believe a lie. You know, you have a wall that's like crooked. Uh, Some young boy says, I'm a girl. Some young girl says, I'm a boy. And you think that's going to be healthy? For that child, are they going to have peace? Is that healthy to interpret reality your own way, your own mind? Is that healthy to say I'm a bull of cornflakes? Or I'm an astronaut or I'm a cat? I mean, is that weird? Is that crazy? Look at, look at the verse. It says, he is first king of right. He cannot lie. That's what I want to find. I want to find the God that does not lie. And then the result is peace. The peace of God that passes understanding. The peace of God that comes into your heart. Uh, So we have the first point is rigidity or truth. This, this, uh, This one here. That he is a God of truth. But I want to show you in the message that he is flexible, that God is flexible, that God is merciful, that God is compassionate, that God cares about you and I, and he wants to draw us to himself. But he, he reaches us by his tenderness, by his compassion. He reaches us by, by flexing, by being flexible, by moving one sense, God does not move and he cannot change. He changes not, Malachi 3.6. On the other hand, he came to send us Christ so that Christ could have mercy on us. The God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New Testament. Yet he was merciful in the Old Testament, but he was also the God of truth. And in the New Testament, he is the God of truth, but he's also the God of mercy. So that'll be our message today. Okay. All right, let's all stand. And after you've stood, say hi to each other. Okay, you may be seated. Turn with me to Numbers. Numbers chapter 23. To, uh, let's thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your people. We have assembled here today in faith. For your word to go to our hearts, 
Hide it in our heart, Lord. Bring it to our hearts and our minds as we live. Lord, bless in Sikon in Thailand. Bless in Canada with Pastor Love. Donnie Fisher, who's here with us this morning. Yes, Lord, thank you in your name. Amen. Uh, Alan Cole is in Poland, so he's uh, serving over there for six weeks, so he's usually sitting down front here. And then the newcomers on Tuesday, is it Monday? No, Tuesday. Tuesday night with Rod, Pastor Roger. You want to stand for a second? Pastor Roger, he does a great job. He does. He does a great job. And that's in the cafe. So if you're a newcomer and you want to you want, uh, learn a little more, have a little more fellowship, then that's Tuesday night at 7 o'clock in the cafe. Uh, all are welcome. All right, two words here, rigid and flexible. So our message revolves around these two realities that God is the God of truth. So we hear, we see here Numbers 23, when the, a king, uh, Balak, wanted Balaam to curse the Jews and was willing to pay the sorcerer Balaam to curse. Usually you go against a nation by military force or political force, but here we have spiritual force. Is there such a thing as cursing that that, that could happen, that a people would be cursed? And uh, Balaam is, is on that mission, but God does not allow him to curse them because God has called them and God uh, will not allow it. So this is Numbers 23, 19 and 20. God is not a man that he should be, he should lie. And that's important. When God promises you eternal life, you don't want God to lie. The pagan gods lied, by the way. They did. They lied. They did really like human things, the, the works of darkness. But God cannot lie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell me the truth, Lord. Tell me the truth. I want to know the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and it will set you free. That's how real it is. That truth will set you free. You'll be free inside in your heart. You find truth and you rejoice in it. But when we are left to ourselves, we are liars. Romans 3, let God be true and every man a liar. Every man is a liar. We are liars. But Christ is not a liar. And Christ is in you. You have Christ in you. Even the best men that tell the truth do the best they can, that sooner or later they tell a white lie or they are deceitful and so on. But God is not like that. So verse 19, it's a good memory verse. Neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Had he said, shall he not do it? Had he spoken, shall he not make it good? God will make it good. Say it after me. God will make it good. Turn to your neighbor. 
God will make it good. God will keep his promise. God will make it good. Verse 20. Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. God has blessed the Jews, and I cannot reverse it. They are going up into the promised land. Sooner or later, they are going because God promised it, promised it to Abraham. He said he would send them down to a foreign nation for 400 years and bring them out. And he did. And bring them into the land that he gave Abraham. And God did it. And I cannot reverse it. I will make it good. So there it is. Now we have the word flexible. Turn to Exodus 32. Here's the other side. God is angry with the Jews. They worship the golden calf. God is angry. 32 verse 9. The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked means stubborn. Have you ever had a stubborn animal? Cow, donkey, hate to say it, child, (laughs) spouse, whoa, friend, colleague. Have you had anybody stubborn in your life? Verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may may wax hot against them. Let's write this down this way. God, and he is righteous. And he is relating to these people. And we have a whole... Millions of them, right? We have a whole nation. And God says to Moses, here's Moses. God says, let me alone that I might destroy them, consume them. But I thought, I thought that we just read that God, that God is for them and he cannot reverse it. That's true. But he's saying something else to us now. And it is that I, I would like to destroy them. And he's serious about it. He's saying something important. I would like to destroy them. I cannot handle it anymore. Leave me alone, he says to Moses. So the question arises, how come Moses has authority with God? Let me put this word here. Moses has authority with God. Why? Why does he have it? Because God gave him Righteousness. Moses is a righteous man. He's humble too. Most humble man on the earth in Numbers 11, verse 3 or verse 4. He's the humblest man on the earth, and yet he has authority with God, of course, because of it, and connected with it. He is righteous, and God has to obey the righteousness that Moses has. So God is talking to Moses, and in a way, he's saying, like, I'm talking to you, and I'm going to tell you, I am rigid, I'm the God of truth, and these people are not, are not lining up. 
They are not humble. They're not submitted. They're not lining up. And I've, I've been a pastor many years, and I can tell you I am shocked at how stubborn people can be. I am. I'm shocked how stubborn, how stupid and stubborn we can be. It's amazing. Very hard to work with somebody who's like that. Very hard. So don't be that way. Be spirit-filled. So here, here's a lesson. Chapter 32, verse um, 10. Let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make you, you a great nation. I mean, if you were really egotistical, you'd say, okay, if I, I'm, I'm in the program, okay, get rid of them. And yeah, well, you, let's, do a, let's do a new thing with, with a different kind of people. But Moses wasn't like that. He was like Christ. God, Christ is saying, uh, God, I, I know it's tough. These people, I understand it. I am one of them. I came into the world, and this is the Father and the Son. And the Son makes intercession. Not that the Father doesn't have the same heart. He has the same heart. But there's a great need here for us to understand that God cannot violate himself. That God cannot lie. That God cannot violate. He cannot compromise with sin. He cannot tell a lie. He cannot pretend it's not. He cannot live outside of reality, his reality, the reality that endures, the reality that is. That, to be honest, sometimes we hide from it. We don't want the plumb line. We want it to be our way. We want it to be, we want to read life our way and do it our way. It it is like that. So here it is, chapter 32, verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot against your people? which you brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. You brought them out of Egypt. You sent them down into Egypt to multiply, and you brought them out. You're in the plan. We're in the program. Don't destroy them. You made promise to Abraham. You are for them. Yeah, and, and you cannot do that. It violates your, uh, what will they say in Egypt about you? When they find out that you destroyed the people that you brought out, you brought them out to destroy them? No, you brought them out to bring them in. Deuteronomy 7, verse 22, verse uh, 11. Which you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak? And say, for, excuse me, for mischief did he bring them out of Egypt to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath. Repent of this evil against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swear by your own self and said unto them, I will multiply your seed. As the stars of heaven, all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented 
of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Wait a minute, this is about God, God changing his mind. He repented, it says. He repented of the evil. Why is this written? Like God is in eternity, he knows the end from the beginning, he knows it all. Why is this story told? Why did he say, I will destroy them, when he very well knew that he wouldn't? Why did he say that? And, and that God cannot lie. Like, what is going on here? And it's simply this. He wants us to understand that he is rigid, that reality is reality. He wants us to understand that this cannot happen. It violates the nature of God, violates the nature of my plan. This cannot happen. But then he has Moses on the earth saying, God, this cannot happen. And the Lord could say, humanly speaking, it's called an anthropopathism. It's like a way of communicating humanly to us about something that he wants to communicate. And that is, I, I can't take it. I can't take the lies. I can't take the sin, the stubbornness. I cannot take it. And then, then the counter is, yes, you can take it. And please continue to work with us and fulfill your plan. Guys, I know who you are. You are a merciful God. You're a God that cares about us. You're like us in a way. Because we understand like, no, that no, 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 that's not right. But I'm listening to you because I want to work with you because I am a God that is flexible. I can change. I can't change my reality, but I can change. I can work with you. I can have mercy on you. I can change. We'll turn to Amos, and I'll show you something there. And I, 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 this is preaching, Amos 7, and verses 1 and 2. He talks about grasshoppers coming to eat the harvest fields in Israel, that the grasshoppers are going to come and they're going to like destroy the grass of the land in verse 2. I'm paraphrasing it for you. Verse 3, the Lord repented for this. It shall not be, saith the Lord. In verse 3, be like, Grasshoppers are coming. It's all going to be eaten. That's what I say to you. God is angry with Israel. And then God repented. And another word for that word repent is relent. He relented. Gave in. He said, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do that. No. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to do it. Another one is. Verse 4 and 5 showed me, and behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire. It devoured the great deep and did eat up a part, did eat up a part of fire, eating up crops or whatever it was 
targeted for, and the Lord said, and then said I, O Lord, cease, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise, for he is small. And it says the Lord repented for this. And then he showed me a plumb line. But he relented. He relented again. And he showed me a plumb line. And then he relented. I'm going to do this. And then he just said, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. It it touches your heart. In the future weeks, maybe you want to make a note of these verses and study them and learn uh, learn what is God saying there. Turn with me to Isaiah 38. I've got uh, two more to share with you. Isaiah 38. In those days was Hezekiah, verse 1, sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him. And said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add unto you days 15 years. I will add unto thy days 15 years. I read it this way. I think in Kings, I read it this way. Isaiah goes in and tells Hezekiah, you shall die. Then Isaiah leaves the room, goes out in the courtyard. God stops him. And he says, go back and tell Hezekiah, I'm giving him 15 years. So the, the prophet is in the courtyard, stop. He goes back in, he goes, the Lord says you get, he's going to give you 15 more years. Wow, isn't that good? What is that? What is that? You're going to die? He weeps, he cries, he turns his face to the wall. He cries, he prays, and the Lord hears him. And sends the prophet back to tell him, you got 15 more years. What is that? God is like us in a way. Like in our good days. Of course, God is not like us. He said that in Numbers 23. I cannot lie. I am not a man. I am not a man that I would lie. But I am God. And yet at the same time, the tender mercies of God... Touch our hearts and draw us to God who can change. He can. One last one, Mark 7, verse 26. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not me to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. What? Dogs. Dogs. It sounds like a racist comment, doesn't it? That's unkind to this foreign woman. 
Cast the bread that's to be served to the Jews on the table. Put the bread out there not for the dogs, but for the Jewish people. I would get offended, walk away, get angry at Jesus, maybe say some unkind things about him. Easily we could do that. That's how people are with God. But I want to make something, make a point here that was brought out in a book that I referred to. I think I have, uh, I want to, I don't think I told you this in this service. It was in um, this one. David Lamb is the author of a book called When God Behaves Badly. <laughs> when God Behaves Badly, like he calls this woman indirectly, so I didn't come for the dogs. That, that sounds bad. But uh, David Lamb brings up a couple points, and I don't re- really remember if I get this right. But anyway, I would like to say, I remember he did say, God is fascinating. God is fascinating. He gets our attention. It's not easy to figure out. It takes time to learn the theology. It takes time to understand the attributes of God and the nature of God. Because like God is a combination of all of these different names. I've read that there are like 300 names of God in our Bible. Many names. Because he has many expressions. He is fascinating. You are a Christian. You are to grow in your knowledge and understanding of God and his grace. You and I are Christians. We are not just, we are born-again Christians. We are spirit-filled Christians. We are believers in Christ. Our Bible is open to us. Is God rigid? Is he flexible? He's both. He cannot lie. He cannot compromise. He cannot, if your local bank cannot do it. If the successful architect or engineer cannot do it, if the guy building airplanes cannot lie, if a mathematician cannot lie, I would expect reality to be reality, and whether what you or I say about it isn't the issue, it's like, what's reality? Let's find it. And you are not a bowl of cornflakes. <laughs> and if you are biologically a male, you are a male. And if you're biologically a female, you are a female, and you can't change it. It is what it is. Get with God's program. Line up with the plumb line and relate to him. And by the way, if you have failed and if you have sinned, then then admit it and confess it. He that covers his sin will not prosper. It says in the book of Proverbs, believing a lie is not a good thing. You can do it, but it doesn't work. It's not a good thing. There is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. But his name is King of Righteousness and King of Peace. Praise the Lord. Where do you get your peace inside? No anxiety, no fear. Where'd you get that? Righteousness. God himself. The better we line up with God, the better it is for us. Better you and I line up with God, the better it is in life. Still, it can be hard. We have a God that will help us and govern us and take us through it. Okay, let's finish it. It says in chapter 7, she answered. Here it is. Yes, Lord, you can call me a dog. It's okay. 
Yes, Lord. That's a good word, isn't it? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got up on the screen. Fascinating. God is real. And third thing, he's personal. When you get the personal God in your life, it's good. He'll speak to your heart. He'll help you. He's a personal God. Okay, now to the story. The Syrophoenician woman said, Lord, like Jesus, I've got a daughter who's a demon is in my daughter, and you can heal her. You can call me anything you want to. I want you to heal my daughter. He changed his mind. He, he's flexible. He changed. He did. He offended her. He said, I didn't come for you people. But is God a racist? Didn't he send Jonah up to Nineveh? Didn't he have Moses marry into Jethro's family? Didn't he have the Queen of Sheba come up from Arabia? Doesn't God love all people? Didn't he die on the cross for everyone? Isn't God the God of all the spirits of men? He had the Father of spirits. That's who he is. He is not a racist or a misogynist or he doesn't have wrath and anger. But he does when it comes to injustice, when it comes to violating his nature, the wrath of God is upon us, even as we live. When I believe a lie, it says in Romans 1, the wrath of God is upon me. But because you're born again, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And the wrath of God is not on us, but the peace of God. We are justified, we are reconciled, we are saved, we are forgiven, we are filled with the Spirit. We are saying, Abba, Father, we are worshipers of God, our Father, and the fruits of the Spirit are in our life, because we have the Spirit of God in us. So this woman is like like this. Look at what she says. And she said, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. I'll take a crumb. As long as my daughter gets free of this demon, you can call me anything you want to, but I I need a crumb. I want that, my daughter healed. Jesus is like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, I like that. That's kind of like the the spirit of it. He's like saying, yeah. What did he say? He said that... um, He said, for this saying, go your way, the devil is gone out of your daughter. Okay. Let me close. I I think you can follow this with me. We have both things. God is serious about truth. He's serious about it. And then when he sees our suffering and our struggle, he has sent Christ. He sent Christ in the world knowing we could never get close to that truth. We'd never be humble. We'd never be loving it. We'd never be relating to it in, in the, excuse me, in the right way. He came into the world to save us and bring us to himself. Now we have authority with God because he will honor the righteousness that is in us.
God, God has given us grace all the time. New mercies are new. Mercies are new every morning. Let me share that Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. And it says, new mercies every morning. And I just occurred to me recently that the mercy, you make up a date, any date in history, April 2nd, 1863. Whatever. There was mer- that morning, there was mercy, and it was new mercy. This morning, there's mercy, and it's new mercy. It's not the same mercy. It's new every morning throughout the history of the universe. There is new mercy, and it's not the same. It's not old mercy. It's new mercy every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercy endures forever. Who are you, Lord? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I, there is a hell. There is heaven. There is salvation. There is no compromise. Reality is reality, and my heart is broken. I have done everything I can, everything I could ever do. I am, but, I, but listen to me. Watch me. I am flexible. I will work with you. I will try. Listen, I will reach down. I will give you new mercies. I will help you. I will lead you and guide you. Guys, I am like that. You can change my mind. Hezekiah, you're going to die today. Are you going to die? No, I don't want to. Okay, go back and tell them. The grasshoppers are going to eat the land. Lord, Jacob is so small. And then the Lord relents. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. America, climatic changes, tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, drought, all these problems and forests on fire and whatever else, all of our problems. Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he could say to us, I am the God of truth. I am reality. I am drawing people to myself. And we say, Lord, give us time. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, please help us and turn us back to you. Please save us as a nation and help us and, and answer our prayer. And the Lord, Lord could say, no, it's over. No, it's over. And by the way, that's in Amos 4. It says that he did, it's another message, but he said, Amos 4, 6. 4, 8, 4, 9, 4, 10, 4, 11, and then verse 12, he said, because he said, and you will not return to me. This is what I will do. You will not return to me, verse 6. You will not return to me, verse 8. I do this. You will not return to me, verse um, 9. And I will do this. You will not return to me. They will not return. And then he said, verse 12, prepare to meet thy God. Prepare to meet thy God. So it's a mix. Rigidity and truth and mercy and grace and flexibility and patience and kindness. Let's use this message to talk at our working place. Let's talk to people that we know. Let's use this, these thoughts to build us up. And let's pray for our, our people and and hope that people will turn to him because he is such an awesome God.
And the more we know him, the more we will love him.